I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What a save from Mark Howard. Goalie. Good shout, you're on fire now. Senegal and Ren's goalkeeper. Spurs away, yeah, it's... Uh... In terms of cup draws, it's probably as, as good as it can get, really. Let's talk your gloves. Let's do a glove review. What gloves do you currently wear? Small hands, yeah. You're six foot five? Yeah, uh, six. Six foot six. six. Seems that they're making goalkeepers taller, but hands smaller. You mentioned him playing for England as well, then. Let's talk about your international career. We played in Dubai, which is a nice uh, venue. It's in like a sandstone. It was a crazy game. I think we ended up winning 3-2. It was myself, Ramsdale and Joe Bursick in the squad. And I was like... What a save from Mark Howard. Welcome back once again to the Yours Mine Away podcast with me, your host, Mark Howard, and my mate, producer Ben, for episode nine. Today, we have got a top young goalkeeper that has already amassed over 100 games at the age of 21, currently at Portsmouth on loan from in League One from his parent club, West Brom. Please welcome Josh Griffiths. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks for having for me, guys. On, mate. No, no worries. Lovely for you to, uh, to come in and uh, for us to have a chat with you. Before we get started then, uh, Josh, I've played against you quite a few times now. Uh, I remember you at Cheltenham when you got promoted. You was an absolute animal. I remember saying to you after that game, I actually came up to you, I think. Yeah, I, remember, I don't know if yeah. you remember. I do. I went up to Josh and I said, mate, you've got massive things ahead of you. And th- this was his first season out on loan. I could just tell that you came for crosses, you kicked it well. I was like, wow, this, he's going to be a beast, this one. I remember it really well, yeah. Yeah, it was a scum fourth away. It was um yeah, mad season that I learned so much in such a short space of time. Like you say, like even the, the basics, the kicking and the how important that is at especially at that level. Um and yeah, like little comments like that, that stick with you, so so that was nice, thank you. Let's rewind to the start of your career then. What's your first experience and your first memory of being a goalkeeper? It's a weird one really. I sort of had two starts at, at football. I started when I was seven or eight outfield just just hated it didn't like it at all 
just chasing after the ball, I think, to be <laughs> honest. Um, and then my, my dad was massively into cycling and, and mountain biking and things like that. So I went down that route for a couple of years and then came back at, at nine or ten. Just I can't remember how, but went straight in goal. Absolutely loved it. Like My mum and dad were chucking balls at me in the house and all sorts. Um, and they yeah, never really looked back since then. Obviously, when you first started out being in goal, you've been the tallest kid. So was it just a natural thing that you just went straight in goal? Or did you ever think, ah, it's not for me? Not the second time around, no. The, the second time, I absolutely loved it. I was playing like with my mates for a year. Um, and yeah, I was I was the tallest. And it was it must have just been a natural sort of, yeah, sticking in goal, one of those. From that then, you obviously got scouted at a very young age for West Brom, who you're currently your parent club. How did the, the, the scouting system work out for yourself? Uh, it was one of those like the mental torments when you're about nine or ten, you play about ten games a ten games a day. Um and yeah, just a few scouts were there, uh, approached my mum and dad. And they were really laid back about it. It was an hour and a half commute, so they were really sort of wanting to play with your friends for a bit. I was going up there, I did about six months on trial in the end. And did, did your, your mum and dad have a big influence in your career and that obviously you're saying the the commute and that my parents were the same would drive me here, there and everywhere. Yeah. Uh, five days a week for sort of five, six years, driving an hour and a half each way from, from Hereford, where I'm from, up to West Brom. So, yeah, obviously, without them, it wouldn't wouldn't have been possible at all. Um, but they they never put any pressure on me. They were like, well, we'll take you there, and then it, it's down to you. So, um, yeah, obviously, as most parents are, really supportive. So They might have loved it if you were a bit closer, though. Yeah, I think, I think they would have. They used to moan about driving 20 minutes when I was about nine once a week and then we ended up doing that five times a week so uh, I think they bit their tongue and did it in the end. So uh, as I said then you signed there at, I think it was 10 years old Ten, and yeah. you've worked your way all the way through now uh, signing professional terms and everything like that. How, how was the, the education that they provided uh, going into training and when you went full-time was there a huge difference from going from academy to into full-time? Yeah so I, I went full-time at, at 14 turning 15 in year in year 10 at school so I I moved out from home and moved into Diggs. Um, so I did year 10 and 11 at West Brom. And we were training sort of five days a week then, as well as the school. So they were amazing with sort of support and education and um, and your football as well, which was great. And obviously we had school, like day release as well. That's and not went, from prison. You weren't in trouble. No, not from prison. <laughs> um, and then went straight into my scholarship. So yeah, with education, they were, they were really supportive. Yeah. Being in Diggs must have been some experience at that age. Was there a lot of you in the same house? Um, there was, there was only three of us. We, um, me and Dara O'Shea, who's in West Brom's first team now, and Brad House, another goalie. Um, they were really good with me, to be fair. I was, I was probably a little shit, to be honest. When I, <laughs> when, like thinking back at the time now, yeah, they were trying to wind each other up and get me to do stupid stuff, but, um, being in digs normally means that like you go away and you stay with another family who look after you like they're your your own child like yeah. you are part of that family normally you all you hear is that the kids are being naughty and they've eaten everything out of the fridge yeah the food truck yeah must have been incredible she um julie wood she's called she's uh chris woods uh, mum and dad who we stay with because he came through at west brom so they they ended up doing digs she was amazing she used to bake us cakes and it was literally like uh home away from home so yeah they were amazing with me. did you uh did you miss out on school football then if you went straight into digs into year 10 did you never play did you play for the school before that and uh we had a school team when so we did like a full-time program at west brom and like eight or nine of us went to the same school 
So the school team was unbelievable. Um, and, and they let you play in that? There was a thing called like an open national cup where you could play academy lads. And we had like a, a team full of like Aston Villa, West Brom, Blues, Wolves. So we won that cup uh, two years in a row, I think. Um, so yeah, we had a good, uh, good school team. That sounds like one of the best school football teams yeah. ever, doesn't it? <laughs> a bit overpowered. Yeah. yeah. So at West Brom then, you've uh, had some successful loan spells. Considering you're so young, I think it was at 19 you went out on loan to Cheltenham. The loan system seems to be a huge benefit for a lot of young goalkeepers. H- how have you fared? Yeah, I've loved it. It was, um, yeah, sort of just turned 19. I made my, my debut for Cheltenham um, in League Two. And it was sort of a that first loan is so hard to get, um, which is where a lot of people find it tough. Um, but luckily, I, I had a bit of luck and got that loan um, and then sort of, sort of took my chance, really. But I'm on my third loan now, and, and each one's been so different. The first year was no fans, so it was the COVID year. Um, we had quite a, not an old school style of football, but a real sort of solid back three and a, and a really experienced team, which for a first loan went, it couldn't have been any better for me. End up getting promoted, so that so that was amazing. Uh, and named Young Player of the Season as well. I got that, which was nice, yeah. Um, it's incredible for a debut season. <laughs> yeah, look, I didn't really, at the time I was like, oh, this is just what football's like but obviously looking back now you you know that that's so so hard to come by promotions and yeah. things like that so I definitely appreciate it more now um, and even I know you play with him now but Ben Toza was like you need to enjoy these moments like embrace it and I was like just sort of always thinking about the next the next one really um, yeah you had some very experienced players in there helping you keep 23 clean sheets and 50 appearances <laughs> I love clean sheets I pride myself on them but for, like I said, for a debut season, it's actually nearly unheard of. Yeah, they were mate. It was it was a tough one because I was sometimes I was only getting sort of one save a game or one save every two or three games. So it was great for my concentration, um, dealing with long balls, working on my kicking and things like that, which was amazing. Uh, and then went to Lincoln and it was like total football, really expansive. Michael Appleton's really like uh, attacking and play sort of pretty football, which was different for me, but great. Um, and now Portsmouth now is probably a bit of a combination of both. Obviously, massive, massive fan base. Um, so, like I said, all three loans have been completely so different. different. Coming through your, like, your debut season and through COVID, that must have been such a surreal experience with no fans. Obviously, that everything restricted, even down to tr- training and your dressing rooms. It, for your first season, was it quite surreal and quite off-putting, or did you find it? made it more comfortable to start playing and get that experience yeah I think the latter probably it probably made it it's like playing 23s foot in terms of no one being there obviously the style of football is different um I was still living at home mum, mum was washing my kit because yeah. the kit they couldn't because of covid um so yeah in terms of that it was I felt it quite quite relaxing in terms of there wasn't the added pressure of the crowd and things like that I could just go and totally focus on my football um, but then when I ended up going to Lincoln and it was the first year with fans back, it took a bit of a adjusting to, to be fair, probably took six or seven games to, to really get used to that. From that then, from your spell at Lincoln, was it a total different dressing room environment as well? That Because you, like we've said, we've, you had a lot of experience at the Cheltenham dressing room to then go to Lincoln and have to uh, rebrand yourself as a goalkeeper that's already experienced now, people with a class 50 games and yeah. a promotion. Yeah, I found it found it tough really because Cheltenham went in and, and no one really knew who I was. Like, oh, he's a young lad on loan, and um, 
and then did obviously did all right that season and then went to Lincoln and people had known that I'd had a good year before so I put that little bit of extra pressure on myself different changing room there was experienced players as there often is but um, I felt a bit more responsibility to help the team out and things um, so that was that was tough but also good because it made me I had to come out my shell and the goalie coach there Steve Crowdson was was amazing with me and we had a few honest chats early on to be fair he was like need a bit more from you need a bit more of an edge because I was I've always been quite relaxed in the way I play but sometimes didn't have that that snappy side that you need yep. and he got that out of me and definitely got the the best out of me yeah that definitely comes from experience though I've had goalkeeper coaches in the past that I've leaned on for those sort of moments and those sort of words of inspiration uh, you've clearly worked with three or four different goalkeeper coaches do you think they've had a huge bearing of how you're adapting to playing in goal yeah, all been completely different again. I had uh, Steve Book at Cheltenham, who's like a, a legend there, and he was he was amazing in terms of helping me through the games. And I had Scott Flinders, and he was the other goalie there, um, and they were both so good at um, giving me like the tips and tricks that you don't you don't know when you come through an academy. Um, and then Steve Steve at Lincoln was great again, and now Joe uh, Prodomo at Portsmouth. Is, is young and enthusiastic, similar to what to what happens when, when I go with England, that sort of style of goalkeeping, um, which I really like. So I've I've been lucky to be fair with, with really good coaches and good goalkeepers. Yeah, it's great that you can you've had those experiences from different styles of football as well and different coaches to then adapt your game. Um, obviously, like I said to you before, the way that you came for crosses at a nineteen year old was like quite inspiring. For even for someone of my age, I was like, wow. So for you to then carry that on, but now you're adapting yourself to be a, a ball-playing goalkeeper, is that something that became quite natural from playing youth team football that you played out from the back? Or is it something that you're adapting as you go? bit of both, I think. I've always, when I came through an academy, I, I always sort of was quite comfortable with the ball at my feet. And then we went. I went to Cheltenham and it was, don't get me wrong, we still played, but I'd never had to, to strike a ball properly because it's, it's always short passes. And I had to go and, and kick past the halfway line like proper striking <laughs> yeah, through the proper ball which you, yeah actually strike a ball so that I didn't I didn't know how to do a proper run up like I, I was it took me like a few a few games to like figure out what what worked for me um so so that was uh interesting yeah but um sorry I'm going away from the question a little bit but um that's all right right well what we'll do now is we'll change it up a bit and we'll crack on with our quiz so we're going to test your knowledge of international goalkeepers called goalie or no goalie. I've got 10 names written down, Josh, five of which are current international goalkeepers and five of which are just made up people or from around the world. Listeners can head over to our YouTube channel and follow our leaderboard. It's one point for each answer, right? We've only had two people do the quiz, so you'll definitely be in the top three. Let's take a podium. <laughs> what's, uh, what's the score to beat? Uh, five at the moment with Andy Lonergan. All right. Right. Okay. So we'll just crack on, right? Number one, Abraham Lyle. No goalie. Good shout, no goalie. Abraham Lyle was actually the makers of Golden Syrup. Should know that, yeah. <laughs> you actually knew that? No, should do. I've right. had that before. Right, number two. Devis Impasse. No goalie. He is a Cameroon goalkeeper. He actually plays for APA in Saudi Arabia. So one, one out of two. Let's crack on. Average start. <laughs> it's, it's not bad. Number three. Avoro Morte. Alvaro Morte, sorry. Uh, goalie. He 
is mm. not a goalie. He's the actor from the TV show Money Heist. I've seen yeah, that as well, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't know. No, I wouldn't know. <laughs> that, that was the whole point of that question. <laughs> Number four, Daniel Schmidt. Goalie. He is a goalie. I didn't actually believe this one myself when I read it. For Japan and St. Truden in Belgium. Oh, yeah. Good shout. Number five, Jerry Baldwin. No goalie. No goalie. Founder of Starbucks. I didn't know it. Other coffee shops Great are guess. available. Yeah. <laughs> Number six, Robin Paws. Goalie. No goalie. Are you just going alternate? Yeah. I can, can tell. He's actually a singer from the boy band, uh, from the band Venger Boys. You would not know who that is. You're far no, too young for that. No, I'm sorry, no. <laughs> yeah. Number seven, Sean Johnson. Goalie. He is goalkeeper for USA and New York City. Number eight, Alfred Gomez. Goalie. Good shout. You're on fire now. Senegal and Rennes goalkeeper. I think that is five now. Is it? Yeah. Nice. I'll take that. Next one, Anton Pierre. No goalie. He's not a goalkeeper. He's on absolute flames here. What, we've got a new leader. Great system going on. Yeah. Just keep going op opposite. <laughs> Hope my questions are flawed. Right, number 10, Dominic Livakovic. I feel like I've heard that before. Famous last words, but I'm going to go goalie. He is a goalkeeper for Croatia and Dinamo Zagreb. Yeah. On absolute fire Recognize there, mate. that name. Is it you know your knowledge or just very good at guessing? Uh, I knew that one and one other, but apart from that, I will be honest. Nice. Super. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Right, let's crack back on with uh, asking you about Portsmouth. Yeah. This season you went out on loan to Portsmouth, uh, a, a big test, obviously a huge club with a massive fan base. How, how's life been so far? I've loved it in a in a short answer. Yeah, it's um, like you say, it was a, probably an eye opener really in terms of actually how big that that club is. I knew I knew a bit about the history and the FA Cup and and the great players they've had, but um, yeah, for for a match day on a Saturday, it's it's proper. Yeah, proper fan base and um, yeah, we've we've had a good start. To be fair, we've had a bit of a, a sticky spell at the moment, but um, in terms of starts go, yeah, I've been really happy. Yeah, uh, obviously your league form's been very good as well, and you've just Actually, been drawing a very nice cup draw away. Spurs away, yeah. It's uh, in terms of cup draws, it's probably as, as good as it can get, really. So, um, definitely one to, to look forward to. Yeah, that's one to save you. That I bet the dressing room was delighted when that came out. Yeah, we, the group chat, uh, the WhatsApp group chat was uh, was going quite lively. To be yeah. Uh, what's the hopes for the teams this season? Promotion, really. That's um, with the size of the club and, and the squad we've got. Um, 
yeah, whether that's through the playoffs or obviously automatics would be amazing. So um, I think it's a realistic target. We've got got a good squad and obviously a good manager as well. So uh, that's the pressure we've put on ourselves. And at the moment, we've had a decent start and, and built a good platform. Oh, fingers crossed, mate. Thank you. This is Matt Smith, and this is the Glove Review on the Yours Mine Away podcast. Right, let's talk your gloves. Let's do a glove review. What gloves do you currently wear? Uh, HO Soccer. I've been in them for probably five or six years now, to be fair. These are sort of a new style that, that they've brought out. Um, these are a full negative. I've previously been wearing like a roll on the, on the index and the little finger yeah. and legs in the middle. Um, but I'm still sort of trialling out what I do and don't like, to be fair. And and they're really good with sort of sending me a few different yeah. styles. What size are you? Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Small hands, yeah. You're six foot five? Yeah, uh, six. Six foot six. Small. Eight and a half. It's crazy, that. Small hands, yeah. Seems I'd, that they're making goalkeepers taller but hands smaller. I'd probably, I do like a snug fit, yeah. so I'd probably get half a size size down. Um, these ones are quite quite thin on the palms, um, which They've I like. They've got very thin latex on the actual palm, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, I think these are maybe a f- three or four mil. Yep. Um, but the... The grip's really good on them. They get a nice feel of the ball. Um, these are the, they're like strapless, but you can put the strap on. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Um, Do you wear them with or without? I go with. And to be fair, they've been really good and they're actually doing one for me with the strap on. Yeah. Um, I just prefer it. I think yeah. quite traditional in that way. I know they're not traditional colours, but... Um, Do you have any uh, glove superstitions? Any do's or don'ts that you... In terms of like the, not the standard, but the, the washing and, and wearing a certain amount of time before... I'm normally a, a wash and training once yep. and then a bit weird. I'll probably wear them for a one or two match day warm-ups. Yep. I always play in a different pair that I warm up with um, and then I'll wear them for probably three or four games and then they become training pairs. So um, they last quite a long time and get good quality out of them. It's amazing that once you, you've used them to, for those three or four games that then within the next week of training they're just completely dried out. It, it, it seems to happen so quickly that you think, oh, I've managed to get three or four games out of them. They're in good nick and then they're gone. Yeah, it's like, I think if you wash them more than a, a few times they start to dry out, but I hate, there's nothing worse than putting a dry glove on. So I try and like keep them in a towel or keep them a little bit so they've got a bit of dampness on. Yeah. The, w- the worst thing is when a, you find a kit man's gone and chucked him on the radiator or something like that. Yeah, livid. Dried right out. Yeah, yeah it's nothing worth like crushed. Do you, you do anything with like your boots as well? Do you ever try and like colour match boot and glove combos? Yeah, guilty. It's a yeah. massive thing. Yeah, it's it is. A, yeah, feel good, look good, play good. Yeah, yeah exactly that. I do try to, yeah, like these match the, the tick on, on the boots. So um, I do try to, yeah. Yes. yeah. And do you do anything on a match day specifically for yourself? Uh, have you got any like dietary routines that you get through or? Is there anything the night before that you always have to watch a film or anything? Uh, no. Always eat uh, salmon, rice and spinach the night before. That's my only... Salmon, rice and spinach. That's my only thing. But then on a match day, I always mix up what I eat, porridge, toast. Yep. Because I don't want to eat porridge, play really well, and then I've got to eat porridge for my whole career. So <laughs> I try and mix it up. Um, Guilty, Josh. Yeah. A yeah. <laughs> uh, few coffees. Um but that's it, really. Nothing too uh, extraordinary. Yeah. Going back to gloves, do you remember your first ever pair of gloves? It's normally a nostalgic thing that everyone yeah, does. They were actually HOs, wow. funnily enough. Um, David James was playing in golf for England at the time, and he had a, a, a black and gold pair of HOs, 
and I asked for them for Christmas. And luckily enough, got them off my mum and dad. Do you still have them? I think they're at home somewhere in like a little box at my mum's. I'm sure I've still got them, yeah. I think my mum and dad have got my old kits and my old gloves somewhere in the loft. Yeah, so I've got a few like old Van der Sar shirts. It was another idol of mine. So yeah, I try and keep a little little box of them, yeah. Uh, going on to idols then, uh, you mentioned Van der Sar, David James. Did anyone have a huge inspiration on the way that you play in goal? Those two were the sort of like uh, eye catchers of like England, Man United. So they sort of interested me in goalkeeping. But the one I sort of really watched growing up was Joe Hart. England's number one at the time. Um, I just loved the way he like, loved that spread he does, that, that block. Yeah, sort of, I remember that Champions League campaign when he was a joke. So yeah, he was probably the the one I looked up to the most. And obviously England's number one when I was sort of properly getting into it. So. When he broke through, he was like a total different mould than other keepers that had come before him, really. Him and Kasper Schmeichel at that time, they had developed that huge block. It was obviously inspired by the by Casper's dad, Peter, but the way they used to come out and spread themselves. Do you remember the Barcelona game? Yeah. Where up, Joe Hart made about 25 saves? Yeah, it's just like that one where Messi spins. And, yep. wha- and I just love when it like smashes off his chest and goes out for a throw or something. It just looks looks proper, yeah. So I like, just love this like aggression and, and passion and yeah, good uh, proper idol of mine, yeah. Did you try and model yourself at all on how he played? Or take Tried some being the keyword. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love that that spread he did. Um, we worked on that to be fair, coming through at West Brom, sort of like the tight block you do, and then when do you go into the spread? Um, and yeah, I've always liked the way he came for crosses and used his voice and tried to command his box. So they were probably the two things that I tried to take from his game. But obviously, such a good goalkeeper. Yeah, you mentioned him playing for England as well. Then let's talk about your international career. Uh, in 2019, you represented the under-18s against Mexico. Was that your first call-up you got? First call-up and debut, yeah. yeah. It was. Uh, we played in Dubai, which is a nice uh, venue. It's in like a sandstorm. It was a crazy game. I think we ended up winning 3-2. For me, it was like I had some really good things and then I, I came rushing out in like the 93rd minute to the halfway line and ended up bringing their guy down. But luckily, we, we got away with it. But yeah, it's just one of them crazy games looking back now it was such a good uh, eye opener how did it feel when you first got your call up quite surreal to be fair it was off the back of like an FA Youth Cup campaign I didn't I didn't even think for one minute that I might even might be in the squad um, and when you're younger you, there's not really you don't really hear about it off on socials or anything like that so just got told off I think my West Brom goalie coach he's like you've been called up so obviously yeah immense uh, pride and sort of yeah, a real pride moment You've you've gone on from there then to be called up by the under twenties and the under twenty ones. Can you can you talk to us about those experiences? Yeah, the the twenty ones first twenty ones call up was obviously the one that stood out. I was, uh, I was at Cheltenham at the time, so on my first loan, um, and yeah, I, I got told I was going to the Euros with the twenty ones, and it was myself, Ramsdale, and, and Joe Bursick in the squad, and I was like, that I just yeah couldn't believe it really. It almost. Not imposter syndrome because I, I was obviously proud and deserved I, to be there. Yeah, but I'd, I'd done well. But yeah, it was like some some big names were in that squad, and I learned so much off off Ramsdale that for those two weeks and, and off the whole squad, it was yeah, real good uh, experience. He's a great character as well, wasn't he? That was one of the biggest things, really. Just off the pitch, he was really laid back. But then as soon as we got in the dressing room and and the way he sort of carried himself on the pitch, sort of that people talk about having your playing personality, that really stood out and. Um, yeah, he's obviously gone on since then and smashing it at Arsenal and 
and at the World Cup now. So um, yeah, to watch him for a couple of weeks was uh, was really good for me. In England training camps in themselves are quite surreal, aren't they? You get a lot of time to yourself. You feel like you're being fed constantly, and then training is short and sharp, but really at it. Yeah, it's it's uh yeah you you train for two hours and then you're in a hotel, so there's a lot of time for thinking. Um, but when yeah, like you say, when you are training, it's uh, especially with those boys, it was. The standard was incredible. There's a lot of Premier League players there, so as you can imagine, obviously the standard was was really good. Um, yeah, it's all it's a it's a bit weird at the start because you feel like and you're you're being watched on how you, which you are in a good way. But any little thing you're sort of overthinking. But as time went on, I learned to just just be myself on the pitch and off it, and um, that probably puts you in the best place. Really, uh, was your family there when you obviously playing for England and that? And what did it mean to them? They weren't, to be fair. Obviously, my debut was, was abroad um, and I haven't played for the 21s yet, so that's obviously one that I, that I want to tick off and achieve. Um, but yeah, they, they've always been really laid back and um, and not too high when things are going well and definitely not too low when they're not. Um, but yeah, I could tell they, they were proud and, and they told me they were, so that's always a, a really nice feeling to, to know they're proud of you. So, uh, obviously, with your parent club, being West Brom, how have they monitored your progress and helped guide you uh, over the, the last few loan moves? Yeah, constant like, WhatsApps with the, the goalie coach, Boaz Myhill mainly, I speak to, and, and Gary Walsh. Um, and they've got a loans manager as well, who, who is Chris Brunt now, who, who messages me now and, uh, now and again, probably, well, maybe once a week just to see how things are going. Um, I try to get back in there when I can, if we've got a, a free week, um, go and see him and show my face. Um, but yeah, they've they've been really supportive, and they understand that well, I am their player, but I'm I'm playing for the team I'm at, so they don't give me too much information, which I think that would be difficult if if they were trying to. Um, so they sort of lead me to it, but but give me feedback on, on what they think. How much do you look into video analysis stuff? I know that it's uh, a huge evolving part of, especially being a goalkeeper. But do you do much work yourself? I like watching my performances back. Um, and taking learning from that. I watch a little bit on the opposition, but I'm not too, I don't like to watch too much. Um, just because I feel like you're going to be overthinking and you're not playing it in in the now. Uh, I like to know if they're left or right footed, and obviously you watch the penalties, but um, apart from that, I don't do too much on the opposition. Uh, and obviously, uh, talking about West Brom as well, uh, what's your hopes to go back to West Brom and... Obviously, with your once your loan move to Portsmouth finishes, hopefully you have a very successful season. Are you hoping to go back to West Brom and try and push yourself there and push into the first team there, or if it is potentially another loan move? Yeah, the aim is I want to I want to go back and, and push as hard as I can. Um, I've obviously been there sort of eleven years now, so to come all the way through and and end up being that number one would be would be amazing. So that's definitely the aim. Whether that means another loan move or if I have to stay there and push for, for six months a year, then amazing. Um, I've thought about it, but I don't want to put any unnecessary pressure on myself and say I've got to go back and play. So um, just try and keep playing well here and, and see what happens, really. Yeah, that's always the, the most important thing is the here and now and playing well for the club that you're currently at and concentrating on that task in hand. Obviously, at the back of your mind, you can hope for stuff, like you said, uh, possibly for an England under-21 cap. Do you, do you set goals yourself? Do you push yourself to, to, to try and hit those targets? Yeah, I do, to be fair. I, I'm not too uh, specific. Like I want to keep 20 clean sheets or things like that. Um, say percentages I look at a little bit and sort of passing stats, but I know 
we touched on it before we started. You can get a bit people can get a bit carried away with stats, and you might only have one one shot on target a game, and it's a, a sweaty goal or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, I do try and look at them and try and um, keep them as high as possible. But I'm not not too fussed on setting clean sheet targets or, or anything. Oh, I am. <laughs> I'm worse than the strikers. I always aim for one in three a season. I think if you if you keep that, one yeah. in three every season, I think you're going to have a good, good, good season ahead. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the pressure I try and put on myself. Even if I've done nothing in a game, I, I count them as if I've made every save, touched every ball in that game. Oh yeah, you have. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the present and now, as I say. So yeah, definitely. Obviously, we talk about uh, the England and your your experiences and that with England at the World Cup now. Uh, have you been watching many of the World Cup games? Yeah, I've watched a few. Yeah, yeah, quite a few. I think. Obviously, yeah, I think England, obviously they beat Wales last night. So, it just shows how, how fickle football can be. Sometimes everyone's buzzing after the Iran win, and then USA is like worst performance ever. Which I uh, I don't think it was. I think it ended up being a very good point. We've gone on to to win two games. So, um, I think they've I think they've been good. And yeah, it's a few upsets, which is is nice. The standard of goalkeeping has been pretty high so far. There's been quite a lot of penalty saves and I think that probably goes back to the the fact people are probably doing their research a lot more. And uh, I think that watching penalty saves and people's history of what they do, you can pick up patterns. Do you try and study those sort of things? We do, yeah. The, so the goalie coach is pretty standard, just gives me a, an iPad or a sheet of paper with like the last five and we watch any patterns or stuff. But... Well, you probably are the same, but I find that you you end up second. They know everyone knows that the goalies watched the last five penalties. Yeah, and you obviously you've watched them, so it, it's a bit of a cat and mouse. But I think you you've got to go off the evidence. That's what we tend to do. If you go off the evidence and you get it wrong, then then you uh, you can accept that. So uh, yeah, there has been a few big saves. Courtois and Ochoa made a couple, haven't they? So. Um, yeah, it's always nice to see a goalie save penalty. On penalty saves and that, I now try and look at their arms, what their arms are doing, because I think that there'll be a pattern somewhere and I'm I'm sure that the way that they either point their standing foot, which is too late to wait for, but there's normally uh, something they do in their run up a sidestep or that. I've, I started to really look into the details of penalties and then the last three have dived the wrong way, so that <laughs> means absolutely nothing. Uh, I think you can look at like arm close to their body and arm away from their body, but... Like you say, if you end up getting a couple wrong, you're like, oh, right. so you can go into it as much as you want, really. But I think um, if you save any penalty saves, a good save. So, um, yeah, that'd be nice. Excellent. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today on the Yours Mine Away podcast with me, Mark Howard, and producer Ben. What a top guest Josh has been today. Everyone, keep an eye on his career. I'm tipping in for huge things ahead. Please hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating. It really helps the channel grow. See you next week. What a save from Mark Howard. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. 
Shopify.com slash work. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.